Really good. Come on, put your hand on your heart. We're going to pray for you today. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, that you are awesome. We thank you that your presence is real, your presence is true, and your presence is life. And God, we pray that you would speak into each and every one of our lives right now, that you would bless us in such a special way. And God, that we would not leave here the same way in which we came in, but you would change our hearts, touch our hearts, and change our lives, we pray. In Jesus' name we shout, amen. Come on, high five someone around you and say, God is awesome. God is awesome. God is awesome. Wow, what a weekend. What an incredible weekend that we have had. Who, who's enjoyed the conference? If, if you were here, you enjoyed the conference. If, if, you didn't say, if you said, I didn't enjoy the conference, it's because you weren't here. Because what a day we had. Every message was just better than the next, if that's possible, and just spoke to every one of our lives. And wow, so glad just to see those people and have dear friends of mine around who are supporters of the church and just everything that we do. So today I thought, you know, I'm not going to try and out-preach those guys because that's never what it's about. So today I don't want to preach a message. I, I, I want to open my heart to you today. And just to give you a message from a pastor's heart today, because I want to talk about what God has called us to do. I want to talk about the mandate, and I really believe that, a mandate that God has placed upon us. I remember when, when I saw this church as a child, uh, and, and what I'm seeing now as a child, I dreamt. And now I see those dreams becoming reality. I remember being a part of a local ministry here in town and enjoyed every second of it. But that wasn't the church that I saw. That wasn't the vision that God gave to me. And I remember going to a conference in Virginia Beach and I saw church, how God had laid it upon my life. And I said, God, you know what? If you'll give me the strength, I want to build that church that you've given me the dream to do. And I'm telling you, what God has done is God has been faithful to that. And God is still being faithful to that. And God has brought us incredible people to be able to help us to do what we've done. When we started in our house with seven people, it's amazing to see what God has done in 14 years. And the end is not over yet. In other words, can I tell you this? This building that we are remodeling right now, We are rebuilding this and refashioning this because this is going to be our first satellite campus because we're believing that God is going to give us more campuses throughout the town and we're believing that this is going to be a satellite campus that God is going to move in our hearts and that's the vision that we have to see satellite campuses throughout different communities in this area and around that we can touch other people in different areas and different communities. But listen, we want to create an encounter experience. That's what I called this talk, my heart. Uh, We just want an encounter experience for everyone to come in. In other words, we want people to know God. We have to have people to know God. And I went to the dictionary. Well, actually, I went to Google. And I Googled it. and, And I looked up the word encounter. And here's some definitions from the word encounter. It's this, an unexpected or casual meeting with someone or something. It also means this, to meet someone unexpectedly. It's also a confrontation or an unpleasant struggle. And you may say, well, that's kind of strange. Why would you put that one in there? Because I thought, wow, that's the spiritual battle that's happening inside of many people. They come in and they encounter something, they don't know what it is. It's like a confrontation, it's an unpleasant struggle as what light is fighting with that darkness. 
Because there's a spiritual battle that's raging and warring inside of every one of us. We see that in Ephesians 6 verse 12, that it's a fight against principalities and against powers that the enemy wants. But here's the last definition of an encounter. Are you ready? It's a life-changing moment that will never end. That didn't come from the dictionary. That's my definition. Because that's what I want encounter to be. I want it to be a life-changing moment that will never end. Why is that? Because salvation is not the end. Salvation is only the beginning of a new life. I like what Pastor Larry Stockstill said. I remember him talking about the cross, the salvation experience. He said the salvation experience, the cross, is like a doorway. That when we step into it, there's a whole new horizon that God has for every one of us. It's a door, but when we step through, it's limitless. Everything that God has in store for our lives. And I believe that's what Encounter Church is. We've stepped through a doorway into a new horizon of what we're going to see God do and perform in this house. And I want to read you a quick story from God's Word. The story of how Jacob became Israel. Genesis 32 and verse 31 says this, So Jacob went on his way, and an angel of God met him. And, and so let me read that again, Genesis 32 verse 1. So Jacob went on his way, and the angel of God met him. I'd never heard this part before. I'd never seen this part before. That as Jacob goes, angels are there with him. That God is reassuring him. God is there with him. God is protecting him along the way. Well, that sounds a lot like Psalms 91 verse 11 and 12. The Bible gives us a promise that he will give his angels charge over you to keep you in half of your ways, in all of your ways, in everything that you shall do. In their hands they shall bear you up, lift you up, lest you what? Dash your foot against a stone. I like that. I need that. I need to know that God is with me. And here's Jacob stepping out. He's not been obedient to God. He hasn't really lived a holy life. But yet God still has a promise and God still has a blessing that he wants to go before him and have provided for him. In all your ways, God says, they will lift you up. That means when you're good and when you're bad. Come on, the angels don't just drop you and say, man, you're bad. But in all your ways, God's provision, his protection, his blessing is still there if we'll turn to it. He never removes it. It's there For every one of us. Why? Because the angels are still there on assignment for us. We were taught as kids that surely goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life. We were taught that goodness and mercy was the name of your angel. That surely goodness and mercy were going to be following you all. I don't know if that's true or not, but there's angels on assignment. Today there's an angel on assignment for your life. You maybe don't know where you're going, but God has assigned angels to protect you, to be around you, to help steer you in the right pathway. But Jacob, much like us, he has a plan. Jacob is heading back to see his brother. He stole the birthright from his brother. Twenty years earlier, he basically stole everything away from his brother. His brother's not happy. 
But here's the problem that Jacob has that so many times we have. Are you ready? He planned before he prayed. How many times do we plan before we pray? It's the wrong way around. He's now going back to see his brother. He knows it's not good because he hears his brother is coming to meet him with 450 armed men. And so he's now thinking, well, I've got a plan. I've got to make plans because obviously God's not going to do anything or God's not shown up. So let me just do something. So he plans out and here's what he does. He puts gifts ahead. Gifts normally work. Amen. He thinks, I'll just soften the blow a little bit. I'll I'll just lavish on my brother all these wonderful gifts. And and please tell him they're from his wonderful brother Jacob who loves you so much. And here's everything that you can have. But then he divides all his livelihood and everything he has into groups because his plan is if he attacks the front group, then we'll have time. Because he takes his family and his children and he puts them at the back of everything. So his escape clause is, we'll have time to escape and run while everyone else is standing in opposition. So that night, he's not sleeping good. He's in torment. And the reason why he's in torment is because he's got unforgiveness in his heart. He hasn't been able to ask his brother. For forgiveness, he's not where he needs to be. And I'm telling you right now, you will not have rest and peace if you're not where you need to be. Remember this old statement that used to have people had it on bumper stickers, used to see it. Come on, no Jesus, no peace. But K-N-O Jesus, then K-N-O peace. If If he's not there, he's no peace. And the reason why I capitalized the peace is because of this. Hey, he is the peace. He doesn't just bring peace. He's the prince of peace. That when you know Jesus, you know the peace. The peace that he wants to be for each and every one of our lives. So here's Jacob. His plan. He's in torment. He's not sleeping. Then God. Say that with me. Then God. Then God. God. There's an encounter that unexpected meeting place happens. Genesis 32 verse 24. Then Jacob was left alone. And a man, notice M capitalized for this reason. It's not just any man. It's actually God. He is experiencing God. He's now in the presence of God, but all he sees is the struggle and the pain, and he doesn't realize the presence that he's in. So what does he do? He fights. How many times do we fight that, which is our help and our support, because we don't recognize it because of the pain and the struggle that we're in? The past refuses to allow us many times to see the glorious future that God has. And it says, And Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the break of day, until dawn. They fought all night long. Verse 25, And when he, God, saw that he could not prevail against Jacob, God touched the socket of his hip. And the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint. But notice this. He still fights on. Isn't that amazing? A picture of our lives so many times that God's trying to get our attention. But instead of yielding to the attention of God, we fight on. We push on. We've still got our plan. We've still got our way of doing things. And no one and nothing's going to stop me. And even if I'm in agony, even if I'm losing everything, even if I've got a foreclosure on my house, I'm just going to keep fighting and keep doing. Come on, what a lie of the enemy. I says, what a lie of the enemy. And God said to him, oh, oh, and he, God said to him, Jacob, let me go. 
for the day breaks. But Jacob says, I will not let you go until you bless me. Verse 27, and God says to him, what's your name? What's your name? And he said, Jacob. I laugh when I read this because I'm thinking to myself, they're in the middle of a fight. It's like the last question that you're going to ask. What's your name? You're you maybe going to say your mama is ugly or something like that. You, you, you know, you're you maybe going to talk trash, but you're not going to say, by the way, what's your name? You know, and just, just want to know who I'm beating up right now or something. But it's a key thought here. And the reason why I believe it's a key thought here is because of this. It's a strange thing to ask in a fight. But remember who's asking it. God is asking for what reason? Because in the midst of the fight, in the midst of the struggle, God still wants relationship with us. Come on, you're not a number to God, you're a name to God. And even though there's a fight and a struggle, God's saying to you right there and then, hey, I want to be in relationship. I still want to know you. I still have a plan for your life. I still have a purpose for your life. You see, because God wasn't opposed to him. Do you see that? God's not trying to beat him up. God could have sneezed and blew him off the face of the earth. I mean, God's just kind of messing with him, really, because God is all powerful and all mighty. But you see, God had to stand opposed to him. Why? Because he wasn't standing really against Jacob. The struggle wasn't with Jacob, but the struggle was with what was inside of him. And that's what the fight is truly about. God's not against man, but he's against the sin that man has inside. God loves all people. God accepts all people. But yet sin has to be dealt with and sin has to be confessed and sin has to be exposed in every one of our lives. And the only one that can expose my sin is me. I have to confess. The Bible doesn't say as a parent, I confess the sins of my kids and God. Uh, We've got to confess with our own mouths. We've got to speak those own things. And God says to him, what's your name? His name is Jacob. What does that mean? Deceiver, surplanter, robber, cheat. Come on, he, he wasn't good. That's what his name meant. That's what he had done. Come on, what's your name today? Maybe your name was Dopet. Maybe your name was adulterer. Come on now. Maybe your name is alcoholic. Maybe your name is depressed. Maybe your name is broken. Maybe your name is shameful. Maybe your name is prostitute. Come on, let's just get where it's at right now. It doesn't matter where you're at right now. God knows your name. He just needs you to cry out to Him. Why? Because He needs Jacob to confess and realize who we are. The only way I can be saved is to realize how bad I am and the help I need. Why? Because Romans 10 verse 9 says that if we confess with our mouths the Lord Jesus and we believe, come on, no longer in our past life, but now we believe in our hearts, what? That God has raised him from the dead. We will be saved. What's your name? It's not good. But God says, I already know that. But I just need you to say, God, would you help me? Would you strengthen me? Would you forgive me? And God says, yes, 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 yes. Can you see the desire that God has for relationship? 
And you know, today I decided to do a different message. If Leslie can make her way up here. What I've done today is I've asked some former Jacobs. I've asked some former Jacobs to help me bring this message today. Because you're going to hear from some people today who have wrestled with God. You're going to hear from some people today who discovered no matter their current condition when they came, the state they were in, the failure and the mess they were, all God needed was a moment. A moment, an invitation. What's your name? Just an invitation to come in and change their lives. Oh, hi. Um, thank you. Whew, um, so I came to this church about two years ago, almost to this day exactly, which, by the way, is the best day of the year, September 24th. Um, yeah, it's my birthday. Um, anyway, um, I had been away from God for most of my life, pretty much since childhood. And I had received what I thought, what I lovingly call now his wake-up call. But we all know what his wake-up call looks like. It looks like me binge drinking on September 5th at an LSU football game, getting to a fight with my husband, going to a friend's house where I continued to drink, blacked out, not sure what happened, not sure how I safely made it home. Um, I woke up that next day and I thought, I was 36 years old, what are you doing? Where are you? And an old great friend of mine had been posting great stuff on social media about this place. I messaged her and I was like, hey, how is this church? I had like my criteria. It needs to have this. It should have that. And I made sure I told her that this was going to be my first stop of many, um, just so that I didn't disappoint her. Well, when I walked through the doors, everyone was just so welcoming. I really thought like, is this real? Like, is this real? Like... And then when I heard Pastor preach, I just saw his complete and total transparency. I started to very quickly see that this was a place where things were different, where there was love, and mostly where there was God. Um, Although I was still broken hurting, uh, I knew it was the place I needed to be. And God spoke to me in almost every message over the next month, and I listened to every single one of them. And not just because Pastor had purple and gold on. Um, A few that were life-changing for me was Pastor Pete's testimony um, about his MySpace romance with Molly across the pond and just how far God will go to go for that one. I mean, I don't know if you've heard it, but it could be like a a Christian romance movie, and I'm believing that for you guys. When Pastor Rob, after the cruise, fell to his knees here and told us his beautiful story of when he gave his life to God that night on that cliff, that just really just really spoke to me. When Christy gave an opener about Ruth and about Naomi and how Naomi was like, go back. And Ruth was like, no, I'm not going back. And I just knew in January 2015, I was not going back to that life anymore. And that's because of that message. Um, Every time Kara prayed for me and everybody prayed for me when I went to the altar, Pastor Philip and Hannah's amazing Father's Day message where my daddy got saved right there on Father's Day. I believe that through this church, God spoke to me and dropped messages and people right in front of me to steer me in the right direction. Right when I was about to go off on that path, God would just place someone. And Miss Sherry, you're one of those people. She came to me one day when I just, I was ready to just go back. And she said, 
Leslie, we need you on welcome team. I love your smile. I just want you to know that that was just amazing because when I stood at those doors, I was able, and in the cafe, I was able to let go of everything I was going through. And I was able to just focus on serving. And I needed those hugs so much, as much as I gave them. Now, I think that I could end my testimony right there. But that the truth of the matter and the transparency that you guys say into this mic, I want to be that transparent too. And you see, the truth is that I had a darkness living inside of me that had followed me around since childhood. I tried to fix it with alcohol. I tried to fix it with so many things. And I honestly, if I was really truth, there were many times I did not want to continue living. God, God put into pastor to have a series called Why We Tithe. During that series, he brought in different ministries that talked about we tithe to the church and the church ties to these ministries. And one of those was Kristen, Kristen at a Door of Hope Ministries. Um, we, so we tied to that church, and I just thought that was so amazing. She spoke on a Wednesday night about doors, the doors we let God into and the doors we don't let him into. And there was a door that I'd never let him to. And that night... I don't know how it happened. I didn't really want to go to the altar, but I saw a beautiful woman of God, and I walked my way to her, and I confessed my childhood trauma that I'd been sexually abused as a child. Through a door of Hope Ministries, I was able, I'm, able to, I'm in a group now, and I'm able to not be shameful anymore. I was able to learn that one out of three girls are sexually abused and one out of five boys. So look around you, one out of three and one out of five. Another great message that was amazing was the pillars of Christianity and the praise and worship was just spoke to me. I gave my all in praise of worship and a peace just came over me like I'd never known. Just, it was just so great. Um, and then right there I was baptized and I told God it was me and him and it's been me and him ever since. I'm so very thankful for this church. Um, I believe that every single one of you have played a huge part in bringing my life from darkness to light. I have a hope and a peace that I've never had before, and I just thank all of you. I thank the lead team. I just thank y'all so much for pouring into me because and just making us believe that Jesus does love me, that I'm worth it, because it's that un, un, ever, never-changing, unconditional love that I believe saved my life. Thank you. Amen. You are awesome. Proud of you. Awesome. Awesome. Fantastic. Fantastic. A Jacob that God changed. Doug, we've got another testimony that we're going to have today. And I love the fact how Leslie said, I came in one way. And God met me there. And God has changed my life. And he's still changing my life. And he's still working a miracle. Here's another Jacob. A former Jacob. Good morning. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Doug, and uh, I'm one nervous Yahoo right now. (laughs) But you know, um, I had an encounter too. Uh, I love that name, Encounter. Uh, I first came to Heart's Ease, it was Heart's Ease then. In 2004, 
I was broken when I came, an alcoholic, drug addict. I was, I was at my bottom, really. And uh, a guy invited me to Hartee's. It was a hotel, I think, on Airline Highway. And uh, I was amazed at the love and the caring and concern that I, I found there. I think that was something I was looking for the whole time. And uh, I'll never forget that, you know. Uh, I wanted to be a part of that. But I came twice that year in 04 to this church, once on Airline Highway and another time, was it the clubhouse? Yes. And... Uh, I was drunk uh, the night when I came to the clubhouse, and Pastor P prayed for me, and I'll never forget that day. You know, uh, I think a seed was planted that day, because my life changed. You know, I started, uh, I was a selfish person, you know, I, I cared only uh, about nobody but me and and what I can get from you. But the pastor prayed for me that night, and, and don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm not giving Pastor Philip. He's a great friend. He's my pastor. I love him to death. I'm not giving him this credit. I'm giving God the credit. See, God, God can do anything. There's a, there's a scripture uh, in the Bible. I think it's Jeremiah... Uh, 3217 or 1732, it talks about, is anything too hard for the Lord? So I want to encourage you today, you know, whatever you might be experiencing, God is real. God is listening. And he wants to do a thing in your life, too. But anyway, uh, I I left here. I I had to leave for two years. I had a charge of drug possession, and, and I was gone for two years, but I never forgot this church and these people and my pastor. I never forgot it. Uh, and while I was gone, you know, God was still working. I believe God set up a moment in time just for me. I, I really do, because let me tell you, the night that I got saved, there was no sermon preached. Y'all got to hear me today. I was listening to a guy on a videotape, if you know what that is. Huh? <laughs> I was listening to this guy, and, and uh, God was all in it because I was bawling the whole time. And, and I don't know if I was the only one that got saved that night, but God, did, he did a number on me. And, and, and I just thought... Uh, it was an amazing thing. You know, what I asked that night of God, I, I didn't know how to pray, but I asked God. I used to smoke cigarettes. I smoked cigarettes for 35 years. And I don't know if I was testing God. I don't, I don't know what my motive was. I just know I wanted to change. And I said, God, I said, Jesus, if you're real, take the taste of these cigarettes out of my mouth. <laughs> He did more than that. He took everything. I mean, but 
You know, I left out of there that night, gave away my cigarettes, lighters, and the guys were looking at me like, man, are you crazy? <laughs> you know, but <clears throat> it wasn't me. You know, God did that. Yeah. And the next morning, I, I need to say this, the next morning, you know, I drink coffee. If any of you ever smoke cigarettes and you drink coffee, the thing you want with a cup of coffee is a cigarette. Well, I was halfway through my cup of coffee, and, and, and while I was drinking that coffee, incidentally, I was reading the Bible, something I hadn't done before. And then it hit me, man, you don't even want a cigarette. I didn't even crave. Listen to me, man. I did not crave from that night forward. Didn't even crave a cigarette. I'm talking about a physical addiction. Never craved it. So I knew it was God. I had to receive it. Uh, I came back to this church in November of 2006 and uh, was happy to be back. Uh, Incidentally, while I was away, I was tithing. God did that, too, because, you know, I was always taken, taken, you know, but God put that in me. Uh, I came back to this church asking, what can I do to serve? And uh, the pastor helped me to get a CDL, and I drove the bus for nine years. I think it was nine years, something like that, nine, ten years, I don't know. But I still drive today. But uh, it's, been, it's been an awesome, awesome experience, and and I just want to encourage anybody, anybody, if you're looking, if you doubt, if you're apprehensive, I'm telling you, God is real. Yeah. Jesus is real. <clears throat> when, when, when I first started uh, reading the Bible, I, I don't know why I started with the New Testament, but the first book I read was the book of John. I'm partial to the book of John. There's a verse, I mean, there's a book that I liken myself to in the book of John, and that's uh, 9, John 9, the blind guy that Jesus gave him sight. See, I was born blind, you know, and then God, I had an encounter. See, today I see. I'm not perfect, but I see. But I want to say this, John, uh, Chapter 14, uh, verse 12, uh, Jesus said, those that uh, hear my commandments and keep them, it's them that love me, and they will be loved of my Father. And I will make myself, I will manifest myself to them. So I want to encourage you today, if you're looking, just ask God. Just ask him. But I implore you, when he shows up, because he's going to show up, listen to him. Amen? Amen. I remember that day. I remember that day. I'm telling you right now, when I prayed for Doug that night, God sobered him up. That night in the clubhouse, I remember that. We're going to have Elizabeth come up here, and she's coming. Part of Doug's testimony that he failed to mention was through all of his life and running around and 
the drugs and the alcohol, he had parted ways with his wife and they were living separated. And God restored that marriage and God restored that home. And right here at the front, we were able to remarry Doug and his wife Mona together in the house. Isn't that fantastic? Hey, guys. Um, So like you said, my name is Elizabeth. I'm going to try to keep this under six minutes. Um, So pre-salvation, a lot of you guys already know my testimony. I was a drug addict. Um, I had been self-harming and cutting myself for so long that I honestly didn't even know that there was a way out. I had just kind of believed that I was just going to die like this. Like, I'm I'm okay with it. You know, I had accepted it. Um, I had actually gotten to the point where I couldn't even look at myself in the mirror. Um, I would, every time I looked at myself, I would just tell myself hateful, horrible things uh, because that's what I felt. That's what I believed. And I can honestly say that if it weren't for my daughter, I probably would have committed suicide a long time ago. Um, I absolutely hated the person that I had become. Um, I was actually invited to this church in May of 2013 um, by Misty Thompson. I don't think she's here, but her cousin invited me, and I came. And I remember walking up to the door, and Jason Shaw was at the door with the tattoos, you know, on his neck and on his hands. And my first thought was like, wow, they're letting him greet, you know? Okay. <laughs> I was raised in a Baptist church. That was not, you know, anyway. So nothing against Baptists. Um, and I saw other people, you know, in jeans and just kind of relaxed and natural. And my first, like, I remember thinking, you know, this is a church for misfits. Not in a bad way, not in a bad way. But like, you know, I didn't feel judged. You know, a lot of churches say, come as you are. And to see some people in jeans and some people in suits and like everybody was interacting with everybody. Nobody had their nose stuck up in the air. Like, I genuinely felt welcomed. Um, and that day on the announcements, they actually said that there was a mother-daughter GNO the next night. And I was like, well, I've kind of been trying to find something to do with my daughter. So I said, well, I'll, I'll come out and see what it's all about. Um, and I brought my daughter. We came out. And um, Megan, Megan Kelly actually preached about uh, Herod's wife, Herodias, and her daughter. And if you guys don't know the story... Um, Herodias talked her daughter into dancing for Herod, the king, and she did such a great job. He said, he'll give you any, he'll give her anything. She wanted the head of John the Baptist because her mother pushed her to that. And the message, the, the main point of the message was, what are we pushing our daughters to? What are we encouraging them to do? And that hit me so hard because I had been using for so long. And my daughter saw me cutting myself and she saw me telling myself I was, oh, you know, all these things. And I didn't want her to grow up thinking that that's what she is. And that really just really hurt me. Um, it was actually a few months that I kind of came on and off. I was kind of hit and miss. Um, and then <laughs> four years ago this weekend, I had my Damascus Road experience, my Jacob experience. And God just woke me up. Whew. Much like Jacob, and I've heard that story so many times, and I've never caught it until now. Y'all, this ain't even in my notes. But it said that he fought until the break of day, and that's exactly what I did. I fought until the break of day. I fought for my sobriety. I fought to get out of that pit of addiction, and I fought for it. And I just, not alone, because God was definitely with me. And when I woke up the next morning, I, was, I had to come to church. I came here, um, and it was a baptism service. And uh, I didn't know that. And the joke is every baptism service that I got baptized in my jeans. (laughs) I didn't have a towel or a change of clothes or anything. I drove home soaking wet. Um, But it was it was just absolutely meant to be. It, It was it was just amazing. 
um, within weeks, I started iConnect, which back then it was called iConnect. Yeah, that's the, the picture. That's what I walked in with, y'all. I was broken. It was, oh my God, it was broken, completely broken. Um, yeah, so within weeks, they actually encouraged me to start what then was called iConnect. Now it's Growth Track. Um, and so I started the iConnect classes, um, and I started serving at the front door. And just like Leslie said, I needed that. I needed those hugs. I needed that more than I even knew I needed that. Um, I loved it. I loved getting to know everybody. Uh, a few months later, I sat in on a youth service. And uh, I knew instantly that I loved, I loved the teenagers. I loved the youth here. I loved the leadership. I loved all of it. Um, a couple months later, or actually the next year, I was asked to speak in front of the youth. And um, that's when I kind of started to question was I, is this what you want me to do, God? Is, is this kind of, you know, where you want me to go? Um, last year, I was asked to help be a part of launching Crossroads. Crossroads? Come on, yes. Come on, yes. <laughs> um, when I was asked to preach for the first time in front of real people, <laughs> um, if you guys don't know, preaching to teenagers and adults is completely different, <laughs> completely different. Um, I was absolutely terrified. I really was. Robert can tell you he worked with me for about a week to get me ready. Um, I have to admit, adults are a lot more forgiving. So I've shared this before at Crossroads, um, but you guys probably don't know. That night, um, in preparing for my message, I, I was praying to God and asking him, I'm like, God, if this is what you want me to do, I'll do it. But I'm so much more comfortable in the booth. I'm so much more comfortable behind the scenes you know, in there with the kids or whatever. But if you want me on stage, if this is what you want, if you really want me talking, then I need to know when I walk off that stage beyond a shadow of a doubt that this is where you want me to be. And that night when I walked off that stage, Robert hugged me and whispered in my ear and he said, there's a preacher in you. That was my confirmation. And now here I am four years later, like I said, this weekend makes four years uh, because of the grace of God. I'm a leader in youth. I'm a certified lay counselor. I'm a group leader for Crossroads, among a lot of other behind-the-scenes things. I also coordinate Friday night services. I came in broken drug addict who was cutting herself and couldn't stand to look in the mirror, but now here I am talking to you. Yes. Every time I hear our church vision of life, love, and purpose, it makes me smile because I know it's true because I lived it. I lived it. My life literally started September 25th, 2013. I walked in broken, depressed, and alone, but I left here empowered and lighter and soaking wet. <laughs> love happened all around me um, as the people of this church embraced me. People that I never walking in would have looked at and said, oh, they'll be my friend, became my best friend. You know, people have influenced me. I can look around this church and there's a person, at least one on every single row, who has influenced my life, whether they know it or not. You guys have been a huge part of getting me where I am today. Um, I love the fact that my past wasn't judged, but it was actually celebrated. I was encouraged to share my testimony. They even came out and did worship in my living room. <laughs> I was trusted without having to prove myself or earn it. And my purpose is still being revealed through serving in this church. Getting involved is something that I never thought would have such an impact on my life, but it truly has. 
I've grown so much as a mom, as a woman, by serving the last four years. You know, if you would have told me that I'd be here right now, I'd probably laughed at you. No one ever, no one would ever let a drug addict with a cutting habit do half the things that I do around here. But God. Come on. Come on. Wow. 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 Jacobs. 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 Is there a better way that we could show? Well, Encounter Church is all about than by those who experienced God here. Those who are living proof. I wish we had more time today because I could come over here to this young man over here. And I could let Steve tell you his story, how he was in a care center a mile from here. And he was depressed and his life was in his mind over. And he was going to commit suicide. And he was rolling his way down Florida to go to the Amy River Bridge to throw himself over the bridge. And something inside of him drew him into this parking lot. And when he was drawn into this parking lot, they were doing construction at the front and there was a dumpster that was blocking the entranceway of our church. And he looked over the dumpster and he saw the cross on the top. And he came in that day. And when he came in that day, he gave his life to Christ. God changed his life on the way to kill himself. He found life. And look around all the people that Steve has brought and the people that he has touched. Look on the second row and I see Star who sent me a text. Just this last week and said, this church has been my home from the very first time I stepped through these doors. And she didn't come on a Sunday. She came through the week. And Pete and I were here and we spoke to her and she said my life changed that day when you looked at me as a human being and not the junkie that I was come on today does anyone else have a story come on has any other lives been touched in this house and seen God move in your lives And why do I say that? Because you know how many other Elizabeths and Leslies and Dougs and Steves and Stars and everyone else there is out there that needs to have an experience with God. An experience with God. You can stay standing. Just help me finish my message. Are you ready? Genesis 32. Genesis 32 and verse 28. And God says to Jacob, Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but your name now is Israel. For you have struggled with God and with men 
And now you have prevailed. What does that mean? You've fought and you've been a loser all your life. But now you've given your life to me and you are a winner. You are prevailing. You are a champion. You are the greatest of greats. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation All things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. Come on, I love that verse, that God says no longer Jacob. God says now Israel, and the word Israel means now a prince with God. You are now a prince with God. And look at the end of the story, verse 30, and Jacob called the name of that place Peniel. He said these words, for I have seen God. Come on, I have encountered God face to face. And my life is now saved and preserved. And one more verse, verse 31. And as he crossed over Penuel, the sun rose him and he limped on his hip. What does that mean? He came in one way, but he left the other way. He was never the same again. God had his mark on him. God had a testimony. Come on, the greatest testimony.